I already joked. Stop chewing on the cords. Passive aggressive fur butt. Hello and welcome. We are the Ladies of Strange. I'm Ashley. I'm Tiffany. And I'm Rebecca. Thank you for joining us each week as we discuss the history, mystery, and theory of all things questionable, odd, and eerie. Hello, ladies. Hello, honey. How are you? Super fabulous. Awesome. Have y'all had a good week so far? Living the dream. This week has been odd, but it's fine. It's all good. I love working from home. Because, you know, somebody I know was exposed to somebody with COVID. So, quarantine. Hey, safety first. Absolutely. Safety first. Excuse me why I evict a cat. (laughs) The perks of remote recording is I get to see Rebecca's cats. I mean, the cats are the important ones. So, are y'all ready for a story? Let's do it. That I outsourced. (laughs) (laughs) Again. (laughs) We should just hire this person on as an intern. So as a joke, I was like, hey, if we get put into lockdown again, I might be able to offer you a part-time research position just until, you know, work gets normal for you. And he was like, well, or I could just write you something. I'm like, that works too. You can do that. (laughs) And I actually read through this this time. And there are no words I can't print. Well, shouldn't be able to pronounce. And I know what country it's in. Hey. Oh, do we know what country it's in? <laughs> I really hope y'all know where America is, because otherwise we, we got problems. That's questionable. North or South? <laughs> United States. America. 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 I know where America is. That one. All right. Are you guys ready for this? Yes. Author disclaimer. I pulled your old episode on Circus Acts, but did not re-listen in case any of the background is repetitive. I don't think it is. All names are pronounced as they're written. Thank you very much. Oh, didn't we just talk about the old circus one with um, vampires and werewolves? Yeah, we did. We did touch base on that one. Yeah. Yeah. Look at this. That episode's getting a lot of action lately. Before the internet, people needed to find ways to entertain themselves. One could play solitaire, but you'd have to use actual cards like a Neanderthal. And if you wanted to play Minesweeper, well, things got really complicated really fast. (laughs) I get it because mines weren't... (laughs) (laughs) got it yep and that's before you assess the fact that no one really knows how to play minesweeper which isn't true because i do that's one of my favorite games i am proficient at it and i always get like top score when i play on my family's computer but do you know how to i do fascinating yeah it's math and numbers not really even math just numbers i love it okay do you no i'll stick to solitaire thank you Ashley sounds like the person that goes middle corners and then decides if she's done. No, I just go click, 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 click. Oh, bomb. So kids would play with dolls or out in the yard. Adults would go to plays or a bar. But every now and again, something really special would come as a distraction. The circus. Like the circus. Mild animal abuse aside. Oh, sad. Who doesn't enjoy a good circus? Trapeze artists, the human cannonball, clowns that totally don't leave scarring memories. It's a good old time. (laughs) 
I'm fine with clowns. On July 6th in 1944, the Ringling Brothers, Barnum and Bailey Circus, came to Hartford, Connecticut. I know where that place is. All right. Do you have to look at the map? No. no. We know where that one is. Ish. Okay. So they were ready to spread cheer and joy to about 7,000 people who attended, most of whom were women and children. This seems like a pretty large crowd, but their big top could hold about 9,000 people and was nearly 500 feet long. For some context on how big that is, end to end, 500 feet is about 1.66 football fields, 192 Eurasian otters, <laughs> 1,500 full-size midnight Milky Way bars, parentheses, four inches. I've ruined my search history trying to get a decent me- measurement here, which is funny because if he had asked, I have one in my freezer and could have given him a, a measurement. <laughs> Fair. 333.33 house cats with tails who average a length of 1.5 feet, 100 flamingos that are lying down, average height of five feet, or 6.25 blue whales. Oh, damn it. <laughs> I was just going to say, I love the fact that he got all of our favorite animals and things that are close and personal to us, but he ruined it with the whales. Yeah, well, some people out there like He's whales. averaging 80 feet per whale. I don't like that at all. Barnum and Bailey was the largest circus in the country at the time. They started the 1944 season with 700 employees with the show. And I mean with the show. General staff like truck drivers, canvas men, ticket takers, and ushers. This number didn't even include the performers themselves. And there were about 200 of them. 7,000 spectators was nothing for this crew. Jeeba Louise. Jeeba Louise. (laughs) Quick note, for as much as the United States didn't want to get involved in World War II, by this point, America had been in Europe for about three years and starting to feel the strain back home. This is why most of the attendees were women and children. Men were either off fighting in Europe or working in the factories. Not everyone can just go off on a random afternoon to gallivant at the circus. Yes, I'm fine. Thank you very much. Okay, Hagrid. Calm (laughs) down. Sounds like someone has a bit of cabin fever. It's fine. Sounds like somebody wants to go to the circus, but is scared too. I mean, between the clowns and, you know, the pandemic, that's fair. Yeah, pandemic clowns is not something I want to run into. Oh, that sounds like an epic haunted house. That sounds like a Rob Zombie movie. Yeah. Ooh. Pandemic clowns. (laughs) I'm going to hit up Rob Zombie. But thanks to the war. Personnel and equipment shortages were commonplace. Rations were being issued. Women were joining the workforce. Gasp! (laughs) And priority was given to things which directly impacted the war effort. This obviously had unexpected consequences like delaying trains. Wait, what? (gasps) The circus is... I I get this, I think, because the circus comes to town on trains. Maybe, possibly. Let's roll with it and see. Probably. We can just keep going with this and have them yell at us later. It's fine. Okay. (laughs) The circus was supposed to arrive in town on July 5th and perform two shows, one in the afternoon and another that evening. Due to the delayed trains. Guess who was right? Due to the delayed trains, the matinee was canceled, causing jitters within the circus crew. Missing a show was the worst sort of bad luck. Whistling in the dressing room, peanut shells on the floor. Sure, those were bad, but blowing a show? Woof. Author's note. Cue Tiffany's laughter about the flares blowing a show, which is apparently a common phrase in the sources, and I hate it. (laughs) (laughs) That makes me happy. Luckily for the citizens of 
Hartford, there'd be no more delays as Thursday the 6th was a brutally hot day. But even if it rained, the show would go on. Just a few months earlier in May, the Big Top was given its first ever waterproofing. Hey! Waterproofing back in the day was actually pretty innovative. Paraffin wax was boiled and thinned with gasoline, then poured from watering cans and brushed into the canvas. That doesn't sound like a good combination. No. If you were curious, it was four parts gasoline and one part wax, which for a tent the size of the Big Top was 1,800 pounds of paraffin wax dissolved in 6,000 gallons of gasoline. That is terrible. It was only done on the roof, not the side canvases, though, which I find weird because wind is still a thing. I mean, yes, but at the same time, it wouldn't like rain down on top of everybody. Yeah, I I feel like that's fine. You'd just be closer in. Yeah, if you're far enough away from the sides, it probably wouldn't affect you as much as it would if it was raining down on top of the tent. So add in jitters from bad omens to the show and bad weather. Delayed trains. And then gasoline. (gasps) And fire axe. This is not going to go well. I have a feeling. I'm sure this isn't relevant information, so let's move on. The first act featuring the French lion tamer Alfred Court and trainers May Kubar and Joseph Walsh received a round of applause as it wound down and the trapeze artists, the great Walendas, took to the stage. About 20 minutes into their performance, their normal circus tunes were abruptly changed to Stars and Stripes Forever by the circus band leader Marie Evans. This was a little weird for the guests, but this caused all the performers to perk up because this was a predetermined signal to all the circus employees that things were about to get fucked. Oh, Uh-oh. no. <laughs> so if you're at the circus and you hear Stars and Stripes Forever, just make your way to the nearest exit. Run. <laughs> Run. <laughs> Later, testimonials would say that it started high up on the big top sidewall. Others would say it started lower down by the ground. But no matter where specifically it started, on the southwest wall, a small flame was starting its journey up the canvas to the roof. It's okay. You know, the roof that was waterproof with 6,000 gallons of gasoline. Yeah, it's okay. Like, they planned for this. Ooh, no. I was just thinking. No, 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 no. It's fine. They were prepared. They knew that gasoline would not spark a fire. It's fine. Oh, they did? Did they? Yeah, absolutely. While many accounts say Evans was the person who first noticed the fire, it isn't clear if the band changed tunes before or after another performer shouted, The tent's on fire! (laughs) That would do it. But since they're professionals, the performers jumped into action and tried to help the evacuation effort. Oh, that's kind. I would have ran for my life. (laughs) Goodbye! No, women and children, I would have helped. The kids. Uh, The animals and the babies on my end. Yeah. So the ringmaster, Fred Brodna, tried to maintain order, telling patrons not to panic, carry a towel, and leave in an orderly fashion without too much chaos. Carry a towel? It's a Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy reference. Don't worry about it. Unfortunately, the power to the electronic systems failed, leaving his advice to fall on deaf and frightened ears. As much as they tried, the ushers and other performers couldn't calm the spectators and madness ensued. Hmm. I'm guessing there's going to be a lot of death. Flames reached 100 feet high as primal instinct kicked in. Get out of the tent covered in fire. Not hard, right? With a tent that large, one would think there'd be lots of exits allowing for folks to leave in an orderly manner. But the fire started after the lion tamer, so at least two of the exits were blocked by cages that were used to bring animals in and out of the big tent between acts. 
Now, before Ashley spiles out in control, <laughs> no animals were harmed in the fire. Oh, good. Okay, she's happy again. I'm I'm just curious how hard the cages are to move because they've got to be able to do them relatively quickly in between acts. Yeah, because they got to get them off and on the train and then take them in between acts and in between where they keep the animals when they're not in the show. A couple suffered minor burns, but they were successfully overall evacuated by the staff. So no animals were hurt during the making of this tent. Despite the circus employees' best efforts, their patrons didn't have nearly as much direction and had to think on their feet. This often led to them landing on their feet instead, with people jumping off the bleacher seating into the hay piles or solid ground below. How do we know, and I'm asking you like you prepared this so you would know, um, but do we know how high the stands were? Roughly bleacher height? I don't know. So easily survivable, but still jumping on top of people, probably. Probably not. Once on the ground, though, they faced the lack of exits and the bottlenecks at those available. There were a few spectators and circus workers, though, who had something in common with Rebecca. They carried a knife. Hey, good (laughs) job, ladies. They made their own exits, slicing the canvas tent walls, creating openings for more people to use, often pulling children through. There was even an account by a girl, Maureen Cricken, who was 11 at the time, who said that there was a man who was flinging kids over the animal cages to get them out of harm's way through a makeshift exit. I love him. The child flinger. Yes. (laughs) He wins. All the awards. These actions, along with human self-preservation, helped most spectators escape the blaze, but adrenaline and self-preservation's one hell of a chemical reaction. Many were said to have fallen into pure hysteria. Witnesses later said some patrons ran back into the tent, even going around in circles trying to find loved ones instead of getting out and finding them once they were safe. I have a feeling that would have been me. Same Damn it. And because circus performers are amazing and multi-talented, many ushers and staff not only tried to evacuate the guests, but also assumed the roles of firefighters, bringing buckets of water to the flames. But the circus grounds weren't equipped to put out a fire of this size. There were no fire alarm boxes or hydrants on the Barber Street lot where the circus set up camp. The nearest fire alarm box was 600 feet away from the lot entrance, not the big top. And the nearest fire hydrant was 300 feet from the big top, the other being 175 feet away on the opposite side of the lot. So not very efficient. Nope. It didn't take long, only about eight minutes with the band still continuing the play, Stars and Stripes, before the flames ate through the center pole and the 19-ton big top collapsed. Reports said that the band continued to play until the very last moment, right before the safety of the musicians was put in jeopardy. After it fell, the burning canvas trapped 170 people inside. (sighs) That got ash. The police department called the nearest hospital, municipal hospital, for the first time around 2.45 requesting an ambulance to come to the grounds. Just one. Ten minutes later, vehicles from the scene arrived at the hospital carrying numerous victims. To reiterate the scale of the event, the hospital admitted 143 patients in 80 minutes, and the hospital only had a bed capacity of 175. Oh, wow. Damn, that's uh, a... Effective, efficient, good job, hospital. (laughs) (laughs) Later, as more patients arrived, beds were shuffled and transfers were placed to another nearby hospital. You're not going to want to hear this, so we're going to run through these next couple facts really quickly. No! 
No, tell him he's not allowed to talk about children. Many spectators were either burned alive, trampled, or asphyxiated, chalked on the toxic fumes of the burning canvas, and there were upwards of 700 injuries reported. Many people jumped from the top of the bleachers in an effort to escape under the side of the tents. This method ended killing more people than it saved. It's never the fall that kills someone. Due to the nature of the event, a midday circus in the middle of award time, this meant that the majority of the victims were children. Reports vary, but there were only only about 80 of the 170 victims found under the big top who are older than 15. Oh, God. I don't like that at all. No. And this person is fired for that fact. Yep. The 170 victims number is debated and varies on which account you're looking at that day. It's usually between 167 and 170, though, with the 168 figure being based on official tallies that included individual body parts as separate victims. Ew. <laughs> I don't like that fact. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh, but your face was perfect. The death toll is commonly believed to be much higher. You see, rural towns in the 1940s kept shoddy residency records and some remains were never claimed, both whole bodies and individual limbs. Well, what did they expect to happen? Be like, oh, yeah, that's definitely Johnny's big left foot. Big left foot? Big left foot. He had big feet. What can I say? To add even more to the confusion to the whole situation, free tickets were given to people, primarily children, the day of all over the city. Circus employees and various eyewitnesses reported seeing drifters in the crowd prior to the fire. These people would have never been reported missing. Oh, no. My heart. Those poor babies. I know. I don't like this. Just think about the drifters. (laughs) Why why are you laughing at the drifters? I didn't mean it like that. I meant like think of them instead of the babies. Like let's change subject to the drifters, not the babies. Yeah, just think about all those just other people. Just think about that all died. the people that it's had no fine. one that cared for them and they wouldn't be reported missing. That's wow. fine. We're heartless over here. So bodies were laid out on army cots in a nearby armory for families to come to identify victims or search for their missing loved ones. One body was that of a little blonde girl wearing a white dress with only a few burn marks on her face. She had died of, of asphyxiation. No one came to identify her. Oh, come Nameless, on. she was deemed Little Miss 1565, the number given to her place in the morgue. I don't like that at all. Like, friend is fired. <laughs> Firing him as we speak. I, I can't reach the fireball to offer you. Two police investigators, Sergeants Thomas Barber and Edward Lowe, took a special interest in identifying Little Miss 1565 and ended up taking fingerprints, footprints, and dental records along with photographs before burying her nameless in Hartford's Northwood Cemetery. Her picture was published in magazines nationwide with massive efforts to get her to her family. Barbara and Lowe visited her grave each Christmas, Memorial Day, and July 4th for the rest of their lives. A local flower company continued the, the tradition after their deaths. Well, that's sweet. Author's note, this is so goddamn sweet, I might have diabetes now. <laughs> I don't think so, because you ruined it by telling us about a dead child. So, like, you were starting with negative. So maybe you're just now breaking normal, butthead. Butthead. <laughs> wow. <laughs> But in 1987, someone left a note on the grave. Sarah Graham is her name. 
July 638, date of birth, six years old, twin. More notes indicated that her twin and other family members were also buried nearby in the same cemetery. As appealing as this would be, more people believe that Little Miss 1565 was a girl named Eleanor Emily Cook. Despite the fact her aunt and uncle saw her body and denied that it was their niece, later samples compared by the Connecticut State Police Forensic Unit determined that they were probably the same person. In 1991, her body was exhumed and reburied next to her brother Edward, who also died in the fire. While seemingly a happy ending, the forensic unit determined this by using hair analysis, which has since been debunked as reliable science. So it's possible that the true identity of Little Miss 1565 is still unknown. Hmm. No. Hmm. Y'all good? The answer. I'm good. No. 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 Hmm. It's no. But what caused the fire? Let's on that. Yeah. We need more alcohol up here. At the time, officials deemed the accident to be just a fluke accident started by a carelessly disregarded cigarette by the men's toilet. Always the As if men's toilets weren't gross enough. And no individual was charged. That being said, four Ringling Brothers officials were charged with the acts of negligence, including a lack of fire preparation. In fact, during the investigation, it was revealed that the circus's fire extinguishers were buried in an inaccessible storage unit. While the circus grounds didn't have fire hydrants nearby, the fire trunks belonging to the circus were over a quarter mile away. Not only that, but apparently no one called the Hartford Fire Department before the circus arrived. I'm assuming this is the 1940s equivalent of putting on a huge ass circus without a permit. Joke, clap, a pause, laughter. (laughs) 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 Permits are funny. Says the girl (laughs) who deals with them daily. Exactly. (laughs) No, I always wonder, like, there's so much that goes into this and so much that needs to be done here, there, everywhere that. What happens if you miss a little step? Well, this is what happens, and I don't like it, and now I'm going to become a bureaucrat and follow every little step that has to be followed. And Didn't you say that you were going to start some sort of fire prevention thing after your uh, burning hotel episode? I'm sure I did. Let me say that again <laughs> and then not follow up on it. Fair enough. In the end, the four charged circus officials pleaded no contest to the various charges and spent about a year in jail before being released by a series of pardons. There is also a $5 million compensation payment given to the families of the victims of the fire. So a horrible, tragic accident... A horrible, (laughs) tragic accident that has no resolution or explanation or... Well, actually, now that you mention it... In 1950... Ohio police questioned a man named Robert Dale Segui after a friend of his was arrested for arson. <gasps> oh, no. Segui was an employee of the circus in 1944 and confessed to starting the fire, along with over a dozen fires in Maine, New Hampshire, and Ohio. He even admitted to murdering four people, including a nine-year-old girl he said he beat to death with the stone. Nope, nope, What nope. the hell? You good, Tiff? I'm uncomfortable. I'm unhappy. Take a shot of fireball. We drank all the fireball. Why is all the fireball gone? Why is the fireball gone? So basically, this sounds like the circus fire starting kind of person, if you ask me. I don't like him. He also admitted that he was haunted by strange, fiery dreams, which sometimes drove him to crime. Specifically, that it was the figure of a ghostly Native American riding a flaming horse that told him to start fires. Don't blame the natives. 
right? Brood. And I highly doubt that he told you to go start a fire in a tent full of children and animals. You're just sick. And Siggy, your name sounds too close to Ziggy, and I don't like it. <laughs> and That's the problem you have with this story. I have lots of problems. I'm trying to... I'm trying to cope here. Don't tarnish the Ziggy name. So sensing something was up, authorities suggested he seek help, a.k.a. he was committed to a hospital for treatment. Diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia and properly medicated, Ziggy retracted his confession. Oh, what? You can't do that. I mean, technically you can. Well, he, he can. He shouldn't, but... No. Uh-uh. That's not how that works. You did it. You crazy. (laughs) Technically, though, he can. Yeah. It really was just a horrible accident. But there's a silver lining. Connecticut enacted new strict fire safety regulations for public performances. The Hartford Circus Fire Memorial Foundation was established in 2002. And ground was broken for the monument on July 6, 2004 on the side of the fire. Why? But wait, when was the original fire? In like the 50s, right? 2002? I mean, I, I'm glad that this happened, or not this, but I'm glad that they, you know, did something Learned afterwards. from their mistakes. But 2002? Things, hey, Tiffany, bureaucracy takes a while. Yeah, F that noise. I'm angry. <laughs> Take a drink every time Tiffany flip-flops in an episode. I'm, I'm a little flaky, if you haven't picked up on that. You're guaranteed two shots. Um, Minimum. There have been a handful of books written on the day's events, which I'm sure would be very interesting if I had read them. There's even a musical. What? It's called Silenced on Barber Street, and it's based on interviews of the survivors and their descendants. The script is online, and a few performances are on YouTube. I do not have the mental capacity to watch that after this hell week. I'm sure it's lovely. Yukon Drama Department. Well, Yukon Drama Department, I hope that you uh, made it to where all the kids survive. Okay. In a fitting end, the final show of Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus was performed in Hartford on April 30th, 2017. Poor circus. But yay, animals. Yeah. I don't like this one. You seem very heated. Oh, bad pun. I mean, good one, but bad topic. Damn. Yeah. Not a fan. Not a fan. But bravo. Good job. Good delivery. I'm angry. Could you say I was on fire this episode? I I would have, but I'm angry, so I won't. But I shan't. Tiffany, stop blowing smoke. Is this how Ashley feels all the time? Yes. Yes, it is. Hey, Tiffany. 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 Guess what? No. No. Damn it. Chicken butt. It's it's coal outside. Oh, my God. What? Coal coal outside outside instead of cold coal ash has given me a no go no 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 dog that's gonna be a no for me on that one <laughs> all right randy <laughs> oh did i flicker out yes you did like on that last one it was just kind of a fizzle a dud if you will hey i, I thought it was good it was a good story but it was a little uh, uh dark what well, was on our uh handful of topics we don't discuss yes no it it was a good story it's very interesting and but kids man kids are my no-go i think i've done a couple but it's fine (laughs) (laughs) don't worry your christmas story from last year i hated them as much as i hate this now so it's fine fair enough it's nice to take this self-loathing and put it onto somebody else for a second (laughs) someone else (laughs) but bravo (laughs) 
Well, on that note, remember, friends, everyone has something that they find odd or won't let you talk about. Let us tell you why. If you have any questionable topics you'd like us to discuss, you can share them with us on any of our social medias. The links can be found on our website, theliddiesestrange.com. Tiffany has given me thumbs up like I haven't done this umpteen thousand times and remember my words. You can email congratulations to theladiesestrange at gmail.com. <laughs> You usually need the board, so I'm very proud of you. Uh, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. And if you think we're doing a great job and want to support the show, you can find us at patreon.com slash theladiesofstrange. Keep it strange, my lovelies. And don't send suggestions where kids die. Hey! Hey! <laughs> Goodbye! <laughs> Bye! <laughs>